What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today's episode is going to be really cool. I'm chatting with Darcy. He's known on Instagram as Colstang, and he's got a Fox body Mustang with a 12-valve Cummins swap. And what's so cool about this build is the way that he did it. And it wasn't by you know, just handing a credit card over and having a, an unlimited budget. He's had to make sacrifices along the way and really focused on the details to be able, be able to invest as little money as possible, but be able to have a car that's really fast. I mean, he tows a trailer to the track with the car, um, you know, with things he needs to go to a different event. So it's going to be an awesome chat with him. Before we get to it, we want to thank one of our sponsors who's offering 20% off site-wide to our listeners. If you go to kershaw.kiausa.com, enter code diesel20, you save 20% off on anything that Kershaw Knives makes. And they have choices for any budget, whether you need something that's going to be, you know, worked hard at the job site, um, you know, outdoors, or you want something nicer, you want to show off to your friends, different opening mechanisms, a lot of different choices there. We appreciate them offering that to you guys. So make sure you take advantage of it. Also, if, if you're watching on YouTube, and you're not subscribed, subscribe, turn on the not- notification button and like and comment. Let us know what you think about the episode. If you have questions for our guests, it helps us tremendously be able to reach people who may have never heard of the Diesel Podcast on YouTube, or they might be searching for you know, an answer to a problem that they have. They haven't found the information they need. Chances are one of our guests have chatted about it, whether it's a Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke. So we appreciate your help. If you're not subscribed, subscribing, turning on notifications, and then you know liking and commenting to help us reach those people. All right, let's get to today's episode with Darcy and learning how he built this car on a budget and it's going really fast. Darcy, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today. I followed your Instagram page for a while and I couldn't resist chatting with you about a come and swap Mustang and it looks like you have a lot of fun with it. It's going to be a really interesting chat. So welcome to the podcast and and I can't wait to chat with you. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it, one of the first things that grabbed my attention was, you know, we see diesel swaps a lot, and usually they're into like a square body Chevy or a Fumman swap into an F-250, F-350, but into a Mustang is something completely different, and for those people that are watching on YouTube, they'll be able to see the car <laughs> right behind him right now, but yeah. uh, you know, t- tell me where the idea came from, what, um, you know, either the attachment was to the car, the engine, how it all came to be. Yeah, so kind of right around probably 2002 2003 um, I've always been hot rodding my whole life I used to mud bog race when I was younger every vehicle I had man I was turning it up I was taking it apart I was bolting on new parts uh, and so I was drag racing I had a 2001 truck it was a VP 44 that was kind of my first uh, playing with the diesel uh, the coming stuff it was a six-speed truck you know I uh, what I had a 66 mil turbo on it. I had a single shot of nitrous stock head bolts. Uh, uh, what did that, that one went 13, two at 113 miles an hour. And it was quick. That was me leaving not, no boosted launch. And I remember one day coming back on the return road. It was when I hit that 113 miles an hour. And I'm thinking in my head, what am I doing? Why I'm moving. Like, uh, I got that <laughs> truck. I think weighed, 7,080 pounds that was tailgate removed backseat out I'm a nut about the details eh? I weigh everything uh <laughs> the details are everything no matter what you do but so that truck it went 113 and I just kept thinking this engine that I drove to the track I could daily drive it if I stuck that engine in a 3,000 pound chassis I'm going eight seconds so that's kind of where the idea started. And, at, you know, at that time, early 2000s, there was another 
newer body style Mustang that I had seen and he was building that one and I seen what he was doing and I just kept thinking, man, I see these guys building these, you know, it was kind of like the tractor truck pulling crowd. I seen them building faster vehicles, but you could tell it was like a truck guy or a, these things were so heavy duty. Yeah. Everyone was thinking that they needed like reinforced everything. The Cummins torque is going to rip the car apart. And my family's been drag racing since the early, early sixties. My grandpa was an NHRA record holder. Uh, we're a Mop I love Mopar stuff. Eh? At the heart, I'm Mopar guy, but to go fast on a crazy budget, the easiest way for me was a Fox body Mustang. Eh? So you can get them crazy light. Everyone's building one. So used parts come up all the time, really cheap. A lot of people, there's a lot of uh, resources for them. Like if you want to go quick, it's kind of easy to research and see what's uh, seven second cars in the quarter mile are doing six second cars. And it really wasn't a lot. What, what, uh, what they were modifying to get the chassis to handle 2000 to 3000 horsepower turbo methanol cars and stuff like that. Eh? So, yeah, Mustang was kind of the cheapest way for me to get into a drag race chassis that I knew was really capable with very little modification. I would have loved to go Mopar when I first started. I was looking for a first-gen Dakota. I was also looking for like a, a Valiant, like a two-door Valiant. They're kind of hard to find, but they're really lightweight Mopar stuff. But yeah, that's how I ended up getting into that Mustang. I know it's a, I don't know a whole, a whole lot about them. I know they're very popular. And at one time at a test in tune with my six, seven, I was racing. I raced a silver one and, and beat it pretty easily. And the next time I came across, it was a black one. I vividly remember it because it put about a half a track on me and I didn't notice the parachute it had on the back till the end. And I was <laughs> like, well, these things are fast. I think it was in the high eights or low nines. I don't remember what it was. It was just really quick. So, you know, that was, that was sort of my perception, you know, of it was, I know that they're really popular to build, but then I see a Cummins engine in yours. So when, when you were getting ready to, to do that, you know, where did, did you have a particular five, nine in mind? Like, did you want to go 12 valve or common rail or, or what led you to do the swap that you did? There's a little bit of a story to that too, because it was about 2008 when I f started to build the first car and that one never came to be life got complicated for me and I had to let it go. Uh, I had a Roadrunner at the time that I'd built. It was a really neat car, a 520 cubic inch Rossler Turbo 400. It was a nine inch in the rear. Uh, my cousin helped me a lot with that, my cousin Dean. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the Mustang, I started in 2008. I had a clean shell, a four cylinder shell. I actually wanted to do a six, seven block. I wanted to do a five, nine crank. I had a 13 millimeter shied pump that I'd gathered. Basically, I was building at that time what kind of was maybe like an Outlaw 10.5 car or uh, the radial racing wasn't as big then, but like a small tire car. I knew you take 800, like, a, you know, any of those engines, you take 800 to 900 horsepower to the tire, you're putting a 3,000 pound car in the eights. So anyway, my idea was kind of to, I wanted to build a race car. I didn't want to build a diesel car it was like build a race car add diesel the car don't know if you're burning gas or methanol uh, so yeah the first build was going to be really wild and i <laughs> but anyway that one didn't happen so 
that was about 2008. And then about 2018, it always bugged me that I never built that car because now I'm seeing like really, I'm seeing uh, Ryan Milliken in his Nova. I'm seeing Firepunk. Everybody now is putting them in super lightweight chassis. And now people are starting to build race cars. So what I did, I was on an extreme budget because my lifestyle kind of is extreme budget right now. So I had a buddy, Curtis, that had a Fox body Mustang. He's, uh, these numbers are in Canadian dollars. So U.S. is about 20 to uh, 20% less. I bought the Mustang for $1,000 Canadian. It ran and drove, but it was sitting in the weeds. It was all rusty. It took forever for us to get it fired up. Brought that thing home. I tore out the engine and transmission. I sold the engine and trans for 850 So I had a rolling chassis car for 150 bucks. That's good. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I sourced a 1994 Dodge Ram, two-wheel drive. I got a killer deal on it. You know, prices are going crazy for the first and second gen Dodges right now. But in 2018, I got a killer deal. 1500 bucks I paid for that truck. I pulled the engine and trans out. I sold the engine and trans for, or sorry, I pulled the engine and trans out. The rolling chassis I sold for 900 bucks. Uh, it had a really fancy stereo that I sold for 300 bucks. So I was, I think I was $450 all in. I had all the components I needed to build this budget Mustang, eh? So that's kind of where that started super cheap. And then over the, over the past four years, I've just sold the interior out of the car to make it lightweight, but also to kind of recoup some cost. And then I would buy parts with the money I had. Uh, my car had a GT ground effects kit on it. I took that off, sold that traded parts and kind of yeah. the whole build is just all used stuff. It's so many people have helped me out. Uh, just everything on the car, like if you see it, <laughs> there's a story to every component. Like <laughs> the, tur the turbo was used. It was from a gentleman that follows me on Instagram, Milo. He said, man, you can have it if you pay for shipping. So I got this uh, overseas HX40 that works for me. A lot of the parts I use is kind of stuff that everyone says won't work. That's how I got all that stuff cheap. And I just knew like if I... If I could pay attention to all the details, you know, like I can't beat the people with my wallet, but I can beat them on effort or I can equal them on effort. So the entire car is kind of built that way. It's just using my brain as much as I can, using all the resources, asking everybody questions, just kind of this conglomerate of parts that I just absolutely try to squeak every single ounce out of every piece. I really, really like that because a lot of times when uh, you were thinking of wanting to go fast, we think of, okay, I've got to put 25,000 away for this particular built engine. I've got to set 5,000 aside for this turbo. And it quickly adds up to where it's 50, 60, 80, hundred thousand dollars. And yep. that kind of money doesn't float around really for anyone. And let alone in today's world, it's, it's, there's not that much disposable income like that. And so I think a lot of enthusiasts or people who want to race, they get discouraged and say, well, I can't afford it the way I see it done on Instagram or in a magazine or on a YouTube video. I'm not even going to try it. So I really like what you're saying there about how you you've thought through the process, the details, how you could maximize your budget and be able to put something together that's that's really fun. And I know it's going to inspire somebody because, like I said, they think I don't have you know thirty grand or fifty grand or hundred thousand dollars. I'm not even going to try. But you're out there having fun. I see it on Instagram. 
um, you know, at races and things like that. And, and I'm sure there's friends you have that help you and, and family involved. And it's probably a really cool talking piece and something you can just, you know, sit around and talk about or, um, you know, come up with new plans for it. Yeah. The best thing about the budget. So in the, in the past I had built some cars and spent a lot of money and yeah, it was fun, but I ended up with a car that was very similar to what other people could build with a wallet with a credit card. And then when you're driving that fancy stuff around, you're worried about, man, you break something. Like you say, it's 15 K for an engine or 25 K for an engine or just man, or crank rods, pistons, everything's custom transmissions, custom rear ends are custom even the vehicle getting stolen or getting into a crash. Like it was really yeah. stressful driving some of the fence. Well, the one Roadrunner I had built in the past. So this thing, like you say, it's hilarious. Like, man, it, there's rusty panels. There's it's the car is very rough, but where it needs to be. Okay. It's okay. So uh, talking about the money, I see a lot of the guys trying to go quick. And this is what happened from, let's say that 2008 to 2018. I'd be going to the track and I would see these guys and I could tell tons of money in them. Super fancy engines, like unbelievable guys that have two chassis uh, vehicles they bought from other racers. I'd see a twin or tri uh, triple CP3, triple compounds, nitrous, like money, unbelievable. Eh? And then I'd see them race at the track and they'd run a 10. And I'm going, <laughs> they'd run a 10 or a nine. And I'm thinking, like right now, my car makes about 625 to the tire based off my race weight. So me sitting in the car, I'm about 3250. I'm making about uh, about 625 to the tire. I'm in the low tens. Like this piece of junk, this fact, this 12 valve cylinder has never been off of it. Uh, it's got uh, 430,000 kilometers. So that's maybe I don't know what that is. 320,000 miles. Cylinder has never been off. I've never even been into this engine. I put uh, power driven. I got some valve springs from them. That was important because I'm, I'm buzzing the RPM pretty high for a reason. I'm trying to get up in the RPM range where I'm making a lot less torque, which is easier on head bolts, the bottom end. It's easier on drivetrain. Uh, yeah, you'd see these guys put together these combos with ridiculous amounts of money and they'd go tens and nines. And I just kept scratching my head because I knew back in 08. That engine that was in my VP44 truck could have propelled a 3,000 pound car in the eights. So <laughs> I think people, they, when they build, when they try to go from a truck and build a lightweight diesel, whatever it is, I think they way overdo it. They way overthink it. Like make 625 to the tire, have a really good suspension setup. Uh, I'm on a small tire too, 275, 60, 15. Like I put a bunch of challenges in my way knowing that. I still could hit, I know I'm going to go eights one day and I knew it at the start of the uh, project, but I kind of didn't tell too many people because everybody, you know, they just laugh. Oh yeah, you're going to go eights on all this junk. But the chassis, the Fox body Mustang with stock suspension points, stock coil, uh, team Z motorsports out of Michigan, you know, forever for the past 20 years, those boys have been just boiling it, you know, in the gas engine industry and Mustangs. They had cars running uh, like one teens, let's say a 1.1760 foot on a small tire like I got. Stock suspension points, because the Mustang is a triangulated four link from the factory. So stock suspension points, not even not even modified welding in uh, uh, brackets with multiple locations. Those guys were cutting 
you know, 1.1760 foots and they were running low sevens on this stuff. Eh? So I knew the chassis, the tire, everything I selected could do it. And then I just had to add the power. So again, just keeping it simple. It's really funny. This thing has a stock mechanical 12 valve lift pump. And it was a borrowed one that a buddy gave to me. And I take it apart. I put a different spring in it. I drill out the passages. I, I'll die grind and <laughs> massage. I radius everything. I, I'm still running the stock filter canister. I'm running all the stock steel lines to the injection pump. I drill out all the banjo fittings. I radius everything. Like again, I didn't want to upgrade until I found the limit of whatever the component was. I didn't want to throw money where it wasn't needed. And it was also interesting to find where the limit was. Yeah. Right. Like, what can something handle? So yeah, this thing's funny. Stock bush rod still. I'd like to upgrade them, but just the money isn't in the works right now. Uh, st yeah, stock lift pumps, stock all steel lines to the injection pump. I had factory head bolts up until two weeks ago. Uh, exotic performance there. They helped me out with a set of head studs, so that was really cool. I tossed them in, but this car was doing about 57 pounds of boost. I was doing about 175 shot of nitrous and I'm buzzing about 3,500 to 4,200 RPM all on stock head bolts. I've taken stock head bolts up to about 800 horse to the tire before, but you got to treat the vehicle right. You can't be whacking it with fuel and timing and, and big load at low RPM. So this, I, re I rev the starch out of this thing. I'm, I'm way past even where it's making peak horsepower because it's stock cam, stock cylinder head. But I keep my RPMs up to try to get past that big uh, uh, peak torque cylinder pressure zone of the low RPM. So would you say that one of the mistakes somebody can make is kind of that allure of the 1500 horsepower, 2000 horsepower engine, putting it in? And I mean, obviously there's that, investment up front but then also it could lead to so many other things it would be expensive transmission parts suspension stuff maybe it's yep. just overpowered where if you step back and you really understand and learn all you can about that particular engine and the transmission and the you know the vehicle itself you could make half the power and i mean 10 seconds isn't slow at all and there's yep. a lot more room that you have to go there it seems like that would be that, that would be a game plan somebody could put together if they want to go fast, take on a project, do something different like you're doing. I think that's the way to do it. Like uh, when you, when you put a bunch of money into all those parts and you're making crazy power, all kinds of new things can happen. And if you aren't uh, experienced with just a race car, what, what chassis and suspension and everything, there's so, there's so many layers to it. I was lucky. My grandpa being a drag racer there, I was really young, so I never, I remember hearing a car fire up in the garage one time when I went out to the, the acreage where he lived there. But my cousin has a really quick car. It's a 69 Barracuda. It's a Brad Anderson Hemi, uh, like top fuel Hemi block and heads, but he runs twin turbo methanol. You know, he's, he's run 640s, I think at 220 mile an hour. So I'd be out there all the time seeing seeing his whizzy like big stuff three the standalone engine management and i would you know i wasn't in there really a lot but i was in there enough to see and i would see what a true like a you know three thousand plus horsepower car how they're getting down at the track traction control uh boost strategies uh all the little goodies that make a race car i'd seen them and i was familiar familiar with them so 
that's also kind of that's what this car is. It's sort of like the junkyard hillbilly version of how I can recreate what they're doing. Like, uh, it's so important though, because we see that we've seen this trend for a little bit. Um, like you mentioned Ryan Milliken and others, other people who are are taking these, these engines are taking them out of trucks. They're putting them in cars for a lot of different reasons. And they're followed so much by people that, someone out there thinking, well, I want to do that. You know, it'd be a fun project, something I, I don't have to worry about daily driving a 900 horsepower vehicle. You know, I can keep it nice and reliable. How do I do it? And so that's why I, I love, you know, hearing how this whole car came together for you and your philosophy on it. It's, uh, it's something where I think that's the, one of the main allures of diesel, like you mentioned with your VP 44 truck is you could take it and race it. And you could also, you know, drive it around town or put something in the bed or, or move a trailer with it or tow something. And so, you know, we love that ability to take it from kind of mild to wild and keep going faster. That's what's neat about this one. Eh? So two stories, I'll kind of tell you. This car, when I first put it together, that transmission had 430,000 clicks on it. It had never been overhauled. It was <laughs> my over. <laughs> my overdrive frictions and steels all looked like steels. I kid you not. I got pictures <laughs> and how, how it held together. So when I first, when I first did it, I went, I had a junkyard V10 converter. So the V10 converter uh, will fit in the exact same place as what the diesel converter was. And it's a little bit higher stall, but that car, the car went 11 Oh at 126 miles per hour. And the 11 Oh isn't too impressive. Like I was on foot brake and I only have two-wheel drive, so when you put your foot on the brake, it's only one axle that's holding the drivetrain, so it's hard to build boost. I would leave it about four pounds of boost is all I could handle. It was basically like a granny leaving a stoplight. I would just roll out like at four <laughs> pounds of boost, 20, 30 feet out. Holy cow, the car would come alive, and I'm ripping. But that car went 11 at 126 miles an hour on that stock trans, that stock V10 converter. I did a transgo shift kit but everything else in it was stock and it was hilarious. And then, uh, yeah, uh, I'll let you take it there. Yeah. I got so <laughs> many stories about the car of just people try to overpower stuff. And my car is a great example of like 625 to the tire. It's an HX 40. It actually spools really good. I just drove it 2,500 kilometers on the miles of mayhem dragon drive event. I got, uh, I was getting, I got 32 US miles per gallon on my first day, my five and a half hour drive. That's pulling a trailer, probably five to 700 pounds worth of gear in the trailer. The car loaded right to the ceiling, a passenger in there with me. And we got uh, seven and a half liter per hundred, which is about 32 US miles per gallon. It was phenomenal. So I got a, my car currently fastest quarter mile i've done mile per hour was 136 miles per hour which is really cooking and fastest eighth mile mile per hour was 108 my quickest dt was 10.6 in the quarter mile but that was without the trans brake but when you look at a, a 30 3250 pound car running 136 miles per hour when you do the math this car is capable of about a 980 990 and I'll get there. I just got to get uh, it's air pressure adjustments. It's uh, uh, instant center, like my suspension, anti-squat, like uh, getting my suspension to do what it needs to do. But I'll get there. I just it takes me a while because I'm on a budget and I kind of don't want to blow stuff up. So just creep up little by little by little. But yeah, 
an inspiration for people. Like they can see, take an old 12 valve. Basically it's a 215 pump factory delivery valve still. Uh, I just kind of max out rack travels, maxed out AFC. All the mods are done there. Uh, five by 18 injector from power driven diesel an HX 40 and a little bit of nitrous. And you got a daily driver car that, man, I don't break down like on that race event. Boys have a lot of issues. Eh? It gets hot. Their engines are overheating. A lot of them are making really big power, but they have a lot more complex engine systems. They got ignition systems. They have all the different stuff in here. I'm just compression ignition, fire it up. She runs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. what's, that's one of the things that's really cool about it. And I noticed when I, when I saw those posts and you had a trailer behind it and I thought, all right, I've got to talk with him about this because this is so different than, you know, normally something's on a trailer behind a, you know, a 2020 yeah, truck and, and they're not driving, you know, these race trucks to, to the events they go to Now, to get like to that next level, you know, down the road, what kind of changes do you think you may do? Is it going to be with fuel or maybe dig into the engine a little bit or you now what's that kind of next step look like? This is kind of what's funny with this car because uh, I pretty much have all the ingredients right now to go eight. The only thing I don't have is air. So man, nitrous in a way right up front is cheap. You know, the initial purchase of a system, you bolt it on, you go, but buying the gas now is pretty pricey too. eh? like, so for the rest of this year, I think I'm just going to keep ripping with the power I have. I'm going to try to get that 60 foot down because my car right now should be capable of about a one point, let's say a 1.47 to a 1.53 60 foot, which is pretty quick on a small tire. You know, that's fast. And my car should be able to go like a 990 with all my safety certification stuff. I'm only good to go 990. But engine wise, man, to take it to the to take it to the eight second range, I'm not really not going to change anything. We know a twelve valve can handle can easily handle eight hundred to the tire. I need about eight fifty. Let's say nine hundred to the tire would give me a little breathing room, a little extra to make sure I could hit that eight second range. But eight fifty horse to the tire in let's say this car thirty two fifty with me in the driver's seat, we're capable of that and really. Uh, I got the valve springs from power driven diesel. So we're good that way. I'd like to have push rods, but you know, it's not really needed. Uh, not to say it's not needed, but I make a lot of compromises like because I'm on a budget. So yeah, if I had money, I'd throw push rods at it. What else would I do? Not a lot. I, I might have to upgrade the fuel system a bit, but my, I have some ideas on that lift pump. I might just do an electric pusher pump to help feed that mechanical lift pump. And I think that should be able to take me past 800 to the tire, uh, piston rod block, you know, the whole thing. I'm not going to touch any of that. I threw the head studs in. It's still the factory original gasket. Like I said, I've never had the cylinder head off. I'm basically just going to leave all that alone. And if I can get to the 850 to the tire and then I got to do my job, the driver's got to do his job suspension. I got to have figured out weight bias on the car has to be correct. It's a lot of, you got to have all your ducks in the row to hit, to hit the number, but that's what I love. The details, the details I can do for free, you know, suspension adjustments, air pressure adjustments, uh, all that stuff. That's free for me. So I, I love it. I'm 
I'm all over that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, to go to go quicker engine wise, nothing. Same trans wise, nothing. Uh, rear axle. The trans is funny. So now I have it built, uh, power driven. Again, I, I was on a really tight budget, virtually no budget. So. I would just ask some of the guys, like, do you have any used parts? I said, do you, do you have a used input shaft? And they actually had one that they were testing and they had, they had hit it with some really big power way over what, you know, they, they guarantee it to the customer just so they can ensure that it's good. It had a little twist in it. I was like, perfect. My <laughs> 3000 pound car making one day, let's say 800, 850 to the tire, that input shaft, it's on holidays compared to being you know some guys they'll have a seven thousand pound truck they're doing lock to lock shifts they might even be playing around on the road pulling something a trailer yeah fifteen thousand pounds and all those parts live in those scenarios so like my trans is a 47 rh it's out of that same donor truck the 1994 but it's all upgraded now like i just took used parts from everybody the input shaft was from power driven uh, the converter was from power driven all my frictions and steels, all that stuff was like used stuff that they had that was still in decent shape. You know, like I'm not looking to drive this thing 300,000 uh, more miles and I don't pull a trailer. And so even used stuff I know would work because I know, like I said, my trans before almost all look like steels. The frictions, <laughs> there was nothing left of them and they were heated up and warped and it's my car still went 126 mile an hour. So yeah, just... Uh, so the trans is good the rear axle that's a funny one so my friend Lars I sold him the original 8.8 out of this car and he had an 8.8 .8 Mustang axle with 35 spline axles and a spool so we did a little swap there so my rear axle setup there's guys you know hitting that stuff with 15 to 2200 horsepower probably I would say a thousand to 1500 foot pounds of torque like even in the turbo methanol world, they're making big numbers, right? So rear axles, stout. We don't have to upgrade. The trans is good to go. I have faith in the old 12 valve. She's going to take me to 850 to the tire with not too many upgrades. So yeah, basically it'll be a safe, it'll be safety upgrades that'll allow me to go past uh, 10.0. I need to finish my cage. I got to do a halo bar, some bars running to the front. Uh, what else? actually have to get a competition license through NHRA to go 999 and quicker. A couple little bits and pieces safety-wise we'll be adding, but uh, the base, the guts of the car, everything like that, I kind of have all the ingredients I need to take it really quick. That's what I love about this build, and I didn't know all these details before we chatted, <clears throat> but in hearing about them, it's really one of the coolest builds I think I've ever talked about with somebody on the podcast. We've done like 450, 460 episodes, because I think it really applies to so many people out there. And and the lessons that you're talking about, they're not just racing lessons, they're also lessons about uh, other things. And, you know, whether you're a diesel shop owner or just in our personal lives about the details, the details, does it cost anything to, to do the details? And that can be one of the hardest things to do is because we think, well, let me take out the credit card. I'll buy the turbo, buy the injectors, buy this, buy that. And you can make up so much ground with details a plan you know you're jumping in there you know doing the transmission I, i'm sure a lot of this stuff having been around racing you know you knew how to jump into something or mechanically incline and stuff but there's probably a lot you learned on this the, on this motor that you may not have yes. been exposed to you know before but you tackled it head on and 
it's one of the coolest builds that, that I've chatted with somebody about. So um, Thanks, I, I know there's going to be somebody out there. Well, there's going to be more than just somebody, but a lot of people out there are like, hey, I want to I want to see what he's doing. I might have some questions for him. Where can people find you on Instagram and and other places to be able to follow the car, maybe ask you questions, see what you're doing? Uh, Colstang is what I named the car there. So like Roland Cole, Colstang. So there isn't anything else on planet earth with that name. So if you Google Colstang, I'm the only thing that pops up. And, <laughs> and I got that name is my Instagram page is my main one. I post to the Instagram page all the time. And then I link those to the Facebook page. I do have a YouTube channel, not a lot on there. Like it takes a lot of time to do that. And, you know, trying to balance hot rodding and life, you, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> the guys that got the YouTube channels, man, I know the work that they're putting in to do those videos. Like, wow, that is, that's no joke, but yeah, you can find me just Colstang on Facebook. The page is Colstang on Instagram. It's Colstang on YouTube. It's Colstang. So that's where you find me. Yeah. Well, definitely keep us updated, you know, on the car tag us and stuff, you know, on Instagram um, or Facebook, you know, with things you're doing is I want to make sure that you know, as many people as possible can, can see what you're doing, hear about it. Cause like I said, it's just so cool to see that your approach to it and how you're going fast and have the plan. And, and I loved what you said about having to make trade-offs to be able to reach the goal that you want. So, you know, running the higher RPM or doing these different things to, you know, not have to drop money on this particular part or this particular thing yet. Cause you're not ready for it. And yep. to see you hit these goals and do these things with it, it's uh it's really cool. It got me pumped up about, you know, just covering this stuff, but then, and also, you know, other aspects of just thinking about things and putting plans together. So I appreciate your time this morning chatting with us. It's a really cool build and I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. And when you get into the, uh, the nines and the eights, definitely let us know so we can, uh, we can share some posts and some videos for you. Will do. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code Diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. There's a lot of cool things. I know you guys have purchased. I've seen uh, some messages on Discord, um, some you know DMs and stuff with some cool gear you guys have gotten. We appreciate them offering that to our, our listeners as a way for them to save money, and we appreciate their support of the podcast. I also want to thank some of our Patreon supporters. Uh, Wright's Diesel Services, Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, Caleb, we appreciate their support. All of our Patreons, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, or on our Discord, all the podcast apps, Facebook, Instagram. You guys keep us going, keep us on our toes, and there's so much information you guys want. We love being able to bring it to you, so make sure that uh, if you're listening on YouTube, drop a comment. Let us know what you think of the, of the episode. If you have questions, join our Discord, hit us up on there. I'm always checking all of our social media, all of our apps to uh, be able to make sure that any suggestions you guys have, any things you guys want to see, we get them on the podcast. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.